January 14th, 2041 Hey there, book friend. I'm happy to be back with you. You wouldn't believe how maddening the complete silence can be, especially when spent in utter darkness. I've been down here for five days now, I think. It's hard to keep track of time, exactly. And to say my pocket watch is unreliable would be an understatement. Still, it's one of the only semi-working time-telling devices I've personally ever seen. Maybe it works because it's old. I don't know. Honestly, keeping track of time and days has always been more of a hobby over the years than anything. Something for my mother and I to do together. She had a way of planning for things that never made me question whether or not I had a future. That's something I never realized until I was on my own. Sitting here in the hopeless dark, I know I need those memories. They keep me going. I need this watch that once belonged to my grandfather, a great man I never got to meet. A man who gave his life so that my mother and I could live. I respect this watch as if it were the man himself. I cannot tell you how much I was looking forward to sharing my thoughts with you. What have I been doing in the dark? Well, sleeping. Or trying to, at least. Describing this safe hell as uncomfortable wouldn't do it justice. Waking up with no way to orient yourself or have any idea of how much time has passed makes sleeping so nerve-wracking. Especially when waking from one of the vivid nightmares that so often haunt me and not being able to immediately tell what is real and what isn't. The dark seems to be playing tricks on my mind. Every so often, I hear things that may or may not be there. Sirens beckon me to seek them out in the maze of tunnels that surround me. Of course, this doesn't help me to sleep or relax in the pitch black. The constant fear of something being out there hanging over me like a specter. Currently, there are no better options, so I push these thoughts and worries out of my mind as best as I can. If the stakes weren't so high, I'd bet it would probably be safe to leave this hole. But I won't be taking that gamble with my life. Not just yet. Like I've told you, I survive. I do what is necessary, not what is comfortable. So in the dark, I stay. At least for the next few days. I have a saying. Uncomfortable beats dead. Some days, I know and believe that. Other days, well, after five days in this hole, I'm leaning towards not so much. Although, I do look forward to our time together, spent in the flickering candlelight. The shadows dance around us like demons, searching for a way to invade our bastion of light and life and sanity. 
I imagine this is how the servants of ancient Egyptian pharaohs felt all those years ago. Locked in a tomb, awaiting their deaths, while the light slowly faded to leave them in cold, lonely darkness. Surrounded in death, the only real promise and the only way out. I wonder if there were gods around back then. Were subhuman creatures shaping society and molding human cruelty? Or is it that humans are and have always been fucked up? And we just wanted someone to blame? Well, regardless, I'm not stuck down here. This won't be my tomb. At least, I hope I'm not stuck down here. There is a chance Mr. Fuzzyfuck collapsed the building on top of my way out. I hope that isn't the case, because I'll have to take the tunnels if it is. I cannot emphasize enough how much we do not want to take the tunnels. Getting lost or stuck, even having them collapse on us, would be bad. But worse... I've heard countless tales of things in the cavernous mazes of the old world. Horrific children of fuckface spider tits. Harvesters. Fucking reaper mantises. I could make a whole damn page of potential life-ending threats in the tunnels. Probably a few, honestly. But I'm almost positive there are sirens in these tunnels. Lucky for me, I'm a light sleeper or I'd probably be digesting slowly within one of their gelatinous husks right now. Sick fucking things, the sirens. I never met anyone who knows for sure where they came from, but my theory is they're some kind of sentient plant. They are like trees in the sense that they root into the ground, and as far as I know, are confined to that spot. But, complete lack of mobility doesn't hinder these predators in the least. They attract people with some kind of mind manipulation. Make them see and hear things that aren't there. I'm not sure exactly what they do, but it doesn't really work on me. Didn't work on my mom either. Well, that's not entirely accurate. When I'm asleep, they can get to me. But like I said, I'm a light sleeper, so when my body starts to move, I wake, and their influence fades. More than once I've been jolted awake, sitting up and staring into the dark where the sound of my mother's voice singing my favorite lullaby fades away. Even though I know it's either my imagination or one of those sadistic fucking plants a little voice in my head tells me it could be her, all alone and scared, calling out for me to save her. God damn those things. Using her memory to get to me. I wish I could go down those tunnels and burn them to fucking ashes. I'd laugh just out of their reach while they tried and failed to manipulate my mind. I'd revel in their pain the same way they do to all the people they trap and feed off of for days and weeks. 
I just don't understand why we can't hurt these things. Any of them. The only ones man-made objects have ever affected are the Chimera. Creatures made by gods using human bodies or parts of them. But even some of those made by the higher tier gods are impervious. If I figure out where these things came from, maybe I could find a way there. Find something that could hurt them. Every exit can be an entrance. And if they got here, I should be able to get there. I guess that's our quest. We're searching for another world, another dimension, perhaps. An interloper on our own planet, hunted by nearly everything, and incapable of violence in any meaningful way. A violent world needs violent people with the correct beliefs. One out of the two doesn't fucking cut it. I can sum up my whole life with one mocking phrase. Impotent rage. I have the motivation, and I have the will. And yet, I can do nothing. There is no threat of retaliation these creatures see in me, or any of us. We run and hide like cockroaches in the sudden presence of light. They better kill me, or they'll wish they had. Well, enough impotent rage for one day. Let's do some situational reasoning. We're in this hole because of Mr. Fuzzy Fuck. And I was an unintended third party to that situation. So the night before it chases me, it gets a man and kills him badly, makes him suffer. Does it do that just because? Maybe. But knowing what we know about there being a woman, it seems more likely the intent was to draw her out. Obviously, there's no way for me to know for sure. But just follow me here. What's the probability that three strangers all happen to be in the same small town where a god of the ravening class just happened to be. Possible, but extremely unlikely. All those things do is hunger and eat. I think that man and woman were a couple. I had better go to mount on it. I think MFF had been hunting them previously, and I think the man sacrificed himself to save the woman. So far, there are fewer holes in this story than the idea of a triple, stranger-slash-hungry-god coincidence. But the coughing... Why the fucking coughing? It was like she didn't even try to muffle herself. Maybe she just gave up and didn't want to live without him. I guess I could see that. But why give herself to that... thing? Why give it the satisfaction of tearing you apart? and feeding on you. And that's if we disregard the pain aspect of being ripped to pieces. What would make somebody want to do that? Maybe there's another angle here. In my theory, we're assuming the two strangers are a couple. And if the man did sacrifice himself for the woman, logic would dictate that they'd known each other for some time. In this thought experiment, 
I suppose it's possible that the man could have been her dad, or relative. But it's rare to see multiple people from one family, and even more so to see a person older than 40. So, let's continue to assume they were a couple. I know what I'd want to do if I was a couple with a woman. And I know what would happen after some time of doing that. Maybe they had a kid. Perhaps the kid coughed, and the woman tried to distract the hunter. Fuck. I hope that's not it. But the more I think about it, the more I think that's it. What do I do now? Do I go out there and look? Do I take the chance my fuzzy admirer still waits for me? What if there's a kid all alone, cold and hungry, with no one? Can I sit down here in relative safety while a child suffers? But this is just an idea I cooked up in my head. There's nothing to base this off of other than a string of rambling thoughts. And besides that, if there were a kid, would they still be alive? Realistically, MFF would have probably killed the kid and any other family members in the near vicinity days ago. Fuck. This is why I should just turn my brain off sometimes. And now this will be stuck in my head until I go outside and look. I didn't have a kid. It shouldn't be my fucking problem. But for some reason, it is. I know it is. I guess that's what separates us from them. It probably has a lot to do with how we're getting killed off of our own planet. Okay, fine. I'm going out. But not now. Not at night. I can't see in the dark, but I'd bet MFF can. I won't allow my compassion to devolve into suicidal risk-taking. Just going out there at all is already a huge risk that could be mitigated by simply waiting longer. I'm doing the right thing. Right, book friend? What would you do? I mean, running straight out into the dark and dying wouldn't help that potentially fictitious kid. Or me. Fuck. I'm such an idiot. Right now is when my mom would tell me that I was a wonderful person for thinking of someone else. But I was needlessly worrying, and that I have to stay in safety and take care of us. Deep down, she would have the same nagging what-if that would pull at her strings to come out of hiding. But ultimately, her care for me would outweigh that guilt. And this is an excellent, real-time example of what being alone in the dark for multiple days does to your mind. It's starting to get to me. 
not even getting back into that motherfucking siren. If, no, 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 when I find a way to kill every single one of these fucks, it will be my pleasure to tear apart every siren there is. I'll sleep with a smile on my face knowing that when they let out their defiling cries, I will find them. And when they learn their only way to sustain themselves will lead to their demise, I will take great joy in those that choose to suffer in silence as I do now. The thing about being alone for a long time is that it stretches you thin. It pulls apart the threads of what makes you human. All the bad days. All the people I've seen torn to shreds. Shit. One of my earliest memories is of a family who'd been infected by some twisted parasitic fuck. They didn't know. It probably happened in their sleep. Before they came to that community. Basically turned a man, woman, and their three kids into ticking time bombs. No reason, no need. Just mindless killing. One minute, everything was fine. Children laughing and playing. A man with a guitar singing a song I can't quite recall. Then, screams. The family began to swell, as if someone were filling them up with water. The little girl started first, about my age. Her face was unrecognizable. Her family attempted to run to her side, but in the next instant, their screams joined hers. I was frozen, caught in fear and panic, with no earthly idea how to react. As their bodies swelled further than should be possible, others ran to help, or at least to try. My mom was the only one with the forethought to grab me and run like the fuck. As she sprinted out of the longhouse, I looked back over her shoulder to see the little girl explode into a spray of blood, gore, and writhing worms. My mom didn't stop running until she couldn't run anymore. After that, we walked until we found somewhere to shelter. Everyone was infected. There were no survivors. I didn't understand why we couldn't just go back and help. She said there was no one left to help and asked me if I wanted to end up the same way. That lesson in survival is one I can't unsee. And as fucked up as it seems, it's probably a good thing. It's those lessons that have kept me alive. I've never met anyone my age who survived out here as long as I have. Not alone, not facing the things I've encountered. I guess we'll see tomorrow if this risk will be my last. I'm going to spend the rest of the night remembering details of the town and planning escape routes in case I run into my admirer. Chances are the fuzzy bastard destroyed a good portion of the buildings. 
but it never hurts to come up with as many options as possible. Alright, my friend. I hope to talk to you tomorrow. If not, please find someone to share our story with. Good night, survivor. My words echo thus in your mind.